Good morning, Connect. Hey, before we start, could we just acknowledge our Framingham campus and online viewers? So great to have you guys here with us. So awesome to have you here with us today. We've got a special Sunday here at Connect, but it's always a special Sunday here. But we have an awesome special guest speaker that you guys already know, you already love, Pastor Emmy Vasquez from Excel Church in Lemonster. Pastor Emmy is here with his wife, Emily, and Pastor Derek is preaching at their church today. So we've got a little swap going on. And, um, and so we're so pleased to have Pastor Emmy here today. If you would just give some a big round of applause while he comes on up. like that's like formal right there like it's like politics a little bit like I shook his hand like 12 times and I gotta do it again because everybody's watching <laughs> like the camera's on the camera's on how many people know you live differently when people are watching get in a small group I'm sorry I don't know where that came from my name is Emmy Vasquez I happen to be the pastor of Excel Church and before I get started because I'm gonna be talking about honor I want to honor uh, the pastors of this house uh, which is Pastor Derek Fry, who is over at mine, uh, communicating to them, and also Pastor Stacey Fry. Can we just show them some love, please? <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for who you are, what you do, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and, and what's up to the people? Uh, you guys got a campus now, Framingham. Yeah, and now you guys, Facebook Live, the second service. I'm excited. How many people are expecting God to say something today uh, to them? To now, you got to understand, when you come to church, if you come to church lackadaisical, ah, uh, here I go again, you, you'll never receive anything from God. And it's not that God isn't dispensing truth. He's always given it. You just can't receive it because the honor filter is not on. So you got to come with a level of expectation like, I'm going there, and I don't care if I bump into the dog. If he barks, God will communicate something to him and through him. you got to know your Bible. God was speaking through donkeys, and he was speaking through, yeah. Okay, let's get into this. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you um, for who you are. Uh, do what you do best. Take human and do something through it divine. Uh, take ordinary and do extraordinary. Take a clay and just pull out treasure so that your people get blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I was talking to your pastor and I was asking him, hey, wait, wait, what direction are you guys going in? And he said that you guys were going into a family series. Amen. And you got some people just like, uh, I wish we were talking about it. Uh. But, but it's, it's awesome. I, I'm, in, I'm currently in a relationship series, and we're talking about a variety of different dynamics in relationships. And, and so I, I figured I'm going to give you something that I, I already uh, fed my people with, and I, I believe you're going to get something out of it. In Judges chapter 2, this is where we're going to start, Judges chapter 2, uh, the Bible says something here that I want to paint on the backdrop of today's message as we talk about honor today honor, because honor really is the foundation for every relationship. If you're going to maximize any and all relationship, you got to keep honor on you. L listen, listen, honor is not just for the people. You get to benefit from it, too. When you dispense honor, you, you, you create a space for the people you honor to give you their best. The moment you dishonor them, the gift in them doesn't have the freedom to come out. Not that it doesn't exist. It doesn't cease to exist because you're dishonorable or you're not honoring them. It's there. You just can't tap into it because of a lens of dishonor. And we want to talk about that. I'm going to use an um, a unfamiliar verse that you don't think is going to make sense, but we'll hopefully in Jesus' name it'll all make sense. Judges chapter 2. The Bible says, Joshua, son of Nun, 
the servant of the Lord, he died at the age of 110. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance at all these places. Ready? At Timnah, Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. That makes sense to somebody. Verse 10. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. I want to read that again. After that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. So in other words, Joshua died, and then all the people who were uh, associated with him, who understood the Lord, had a relationship with God, all of them died. And believe me, your heroes will go home to be with the Lord if uh, Jesus doesn't come back. The people you love got to go. That sounds insensitive, but I'm not trying to make it insensitive. I'm just saying that eventually they will have to give up the ghost. They will reach an expiration time because you must carry the mantle. It's not about living through people. Young people, listen to me. People watching online, listen to me. Linda, Linda, listen to me. You cannot keep serving Jesus through your people. I don't want my children to consider my God to be the God of my parents. I want my child to grow up saying he's my God too. He's my Jesus too. Young people, I know you feel like sometimes your mom is just pestering you about coming to church. Eventually, you got to own this, baby. If Jesus is going to move in your life, he wants relationship, not necessarily through someone, but with you. All right, let me get back to my message. Uh, uh, verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And this is what happens when you don't know the Lord. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. As you guys prepare to go into a family series, just understand this. Because sometimes the longer you spend in church, the more you forget where you come from. Now, if you're like me, I wasn't raised in church. I met the Lord in the prison system when I was 17 years old. Some of you know my story, some of you don't. Uh, um, but, 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 but I grew up not knowing the Lord. And this was me. Not knowing anything about God, nor understanding that God had a standard for family and for relationships. So when I, I, uh, when I got saved and I gave my life to the Lord and I approached the relationship with God, it was a new turning point because I began to look at God, his word, his standard, and just recognize, wow, what you want is not how I'm living. And so how many people know that's a confrontation? Yeah, yeah, it is. Because you grow up sincerely believing that what you're doing is right until you get confronted with an alternative. And you start saying, I didn't know. Had somebody come to me in my church last week, and she's, after I preached this message on honor, she just said, I didn't know that the reason why I lost my kids in the court case was because I dishonored the judge. I didn't know. I didn't know it was how I talked to her in that room. I didn't, I didn't know. And a lot of times people are growing up not knowing the Lord, nor what he can do in your life, and you bring all of this the, the relational views to the table. But how many people know that when you come into a relationship with God, God now wants you to climb up to the standard that he has for you. The standard that God has, which is his word, is for your benefit. It's not against you. But when you, don't, when you haven't been raised at understanding that it, it's the healthy option, it's the good option, it's the right option, sometimes the pain of changing will give you the impression that it's a burden to do right. Because it's painful. No one told me. I've been living this way 
for 25 years. And now I have a confrontation with the Lord. He arrests my heart. I really do love him. Now you're telling me he shouldn't be sleeping in my bed. This is real. Now, somebody just say preach Puerto Rican. Help me out real quick because you're looking at me kind of funny this Sunday morning. This is real. This is real. This is in the Bible. This is, this is real. I love one of the things I love about the Bible is that the Bible is awesomely honest. The Bible is not fake. Believe me, the Bible will reveal the flaws of mankind. If you haven't read that, read David and still use them as king even though he had issues. God is real because he's letting you know you can't do life in your own strength. You got to do it through him. And so we're talking about relationships. We're talking about family. You guys are going into all this. So there are different type of dynamics that everyone is bringing to the table. And no matter where you are, just understand that God loves you. He's willing to work with you wherever you are. But we must start to identify what, where God's standard is for relationships because he wants to help us. And how many people know he created relationships? He's the author of the first relationship. And then out of that, the ability to learn how to maintain healthy relations with people comes from God. That's why he talks about forgiveness and he talks about learning how to repent and he talks about learning how, how, to, how to go through these things in relationship. Jesus said, uh, if you're, I mean, Peter said to Jesus, if my brother sins against me seven times or seven times in a day, he comes to me and asks me to say, I'm sorry, should I forgive him? And Jesus said, whoa, you don't understand relationships. You only going to keep seven times in your pocket? You don't know the proclivity of people. People will break your heart on an ongoing basis. And if you judge their inconsistency by your ability to relate to them, you won't have any relationships. So 70 times seven, because you're going to need more than seven times to keep this relationship. That's God's standard. If you're trying to stay relational with people. But if you're unforgiving, bitter, angry, etc., and you don't have any margin for forgiveness, you're going to be by yourself. But you didn't start by yourself. You came out of a home with relationships with someone connected to somebody. Are you getting anything out of this? And so and so with that being said, just just under and let me say this also. Let me just say this also. It's important to identify where a standard is, because if you don't have God's standard on understanding relationships, how do you know when you're winning? Where's your barometer to determine I'm succeeding or I'm failing in relationships? Did you get it from school? Did you get it from a, you know, kick, what was that? A cracker Jacks used to have a little treat in, on the inside of it. Are we just rolling the dice like this is Vegas and whatever happens in Vegas stays in? Yeah, right. Not in the kingdom of God. Whatever happens in Vegas stays with you for the rest of your life. Remember that. Good Lord. I don't even know where I'm going with all that. But this is still good. This is still good. Gina, this is still good. All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about honor. If you're taking down notes, honor, by definition in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, and I'm not going to give you the Hebrew words or the Greek words today, but honor means respect. It means value. It means when you put value on something. When you honor it, you put value on it. When you honor it, you respect it. When you honor it, you put worth on it. When you honor it, you add weight to it. It was insignificant at one point. It was, it, you treated it lightly. You were indifferent. You treated it with contempt. But now that you honor it, you add weight to it. To dishonor means to take it lightly. To dishonor. If you ever been, and we have some general concepts about honor. When you go into a courtroom, anybody ever heard about contempt of court? 
Well, you walked into an honorable environment. That's why you call the judge your honor, because we believe that we voted them into position to be able to judge, you know, according to the, the rules. And you call them your honor. And you go in there. And anytime you disrespect the judge, the environment, you start cursing them out. You start trying to drag them down and take them lightly, take the law lightly. They'll hold you in contempt of court because you are dishonoring the environment. And contempt comes with a cost because you can get thrown in jail for a couple of days just to set you straight. Honor. I say, I'm starting this this way because I want you to understand that if you're going to be successful in relationships, you have to honor God's word and your relationship with God. This is where it starts because you, as you, you run into relational conundrums and issues and, 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 and the differences, you're going to have to go back to a source to learn how to fix what you're in. But if you don't honor God's word nor your relationship with God and you take it lightly like it doesn't matter, the Bible's archaic, it's not relevant for today, you will never be able to pull the treasure out of the word of God because you don't value the word of God. So we got to add value and honor to the word and to your relationship with God. Because when you run into a situation relationally in your family, in your home, with your children, with your husband, with your wife, at least you have a source that you can go back to so you can pull out. of. But if you don't value the word, that's not an option you're running to. Somebody say, I value the word. Now, before I, get, before I give you some verses really quick, let's, let's just talk a little bit about how did we get here? Before you can create a new culture of honor, you, you got to address the culture that exists that might be dishonorable. You got to be able to look at what is in order to change it so that you, you can make it better. We live in a culture today that consumes a steady diet of disrespect and dishonor. Through every, thank you for the one clap in the building, they, but, but through every media outlet necessary television social media internet online movies in every form possible we celebrate foolishness mad men bad girls let's just take pictures and post videos of girls getting their hair pulled out and everybody sharing it over and over again world star and we're laughing about things that are damaging people and then we sit back and say how in the world did we get here Somebody just say, preach, Puerto Rican. Yeah, 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 all throughout. The, and, then, and then when we consume this stuff, now, back that thing up, I mean, I come from a background where I was not raised knowing the Lord. I was raised with no father figure. My dad is in jail right now. And I, so I come from a background where I did not have order in my life. And, and coincidentally, honor creates order. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Honor creates order. And so because I had none of that, I was fighting teachers throwing chairs, fighting police officers, and wonder why my life ended up the way it was ending up. Until I get saved, I get confronted, and now God starts changing my mind and changing my heart, and I start realizing the honor component that if I'm going to maximize relationships, I have to bring a level of honor to the table because honor pulls the best out of people. Honor pulls the best. And then after consuming a steady diet of disrespect through all the things that we watch, then half the people end up in jail. And when they get to jail, isn't it interesting how we don't let them read the Bible in school, but when they get to jail, we encourage it. <laughs> after you wasted 15 years of your life and you had no order and you needed order before, but we wouldn't let you give you a tool that would create the order. So now that you're in jail, here, change your life, create some order, hurry up, let's go. If you would have let them jokers read it before they got to jail, maybe they would have never went. 
and you're looking at somebody who's been there, so I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. If you're taking our notes, write this down. This is not on a screen, but this is in my head. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. The more you continue to celebrate, whether you celebrate righteousness, it gets repeated. If you have a little kid that comes in and does something that's right and you celebrate it, he says, wow, they like it. I'm going to do it again. And if he comes in and he drops an F-bomb and everybody starts laughing, he says, wow, this is entertaining. They like it, so I'm going to give you another one. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. You keep sharing and say, and you know what, some, I'm so, sometimes I get disturbed by this generation that's growing up, and I'm not trying to beat you over the head this morning, because I love you. In the name of Jesus, I love you. I got a heart for people, like boom, boom, boom. I, I got a heart for people. But what disturbs me is the fact that you, people, this generation is so quick. Somebody can be getting beat up after school, but we pull out our phones before we give a hand. Because we want views and we want to post it on YouTube and we want to see how much advertisement dollars we can get. And you know what? The more my mind is running, this goes all the way back to talk show days. Because I remember back in the days when it first happened, how many people remember Geraldo? He was up there and that's when panels used to be civilized and you can have an honest discussion even though you had debates with it. I remember Geraldo getting into a fight with one of his panelists and it made the news. And ever since then, the news has been sent back saying, what do we now do? to get more ratings because we had so many ratings that took place during that episode. How do we instigate another fight? Now you hit the fast forward button years later. Now all of a sudden you got people on the stage dragging each other across it and everybody just shouting, Jerry, Jerry. It is a culture of dishonor. And then you hit send and you hit share and people sit back and say, how in the world did we get here? We all created a climate that supports it. Preach, Pastor Emmy. A couple of verses for you just to show you how the Bible emphasizes honor. And in, in, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, the Bible says marriage should be honored by all and the marriage bed should be kept pure for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually moral. Once again, this is not to, to shame you. This is to show you that even God always has a standard. The goal is to say, even though I didn't keep it. See, it's important to have a standard even if you don't keep the standard. Because by having one, at least you know how far you are off from where you need to be. So, 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 so away with all of this religious mentality where people say, well, you should never done that. We all break our own rules. I'm on a diet today. And then tomorrow you're eating chocolate cake and chicken. It's not even a good combination. You break your own rules, but it's important that you have a rule to break so that you can judge. I have fallen away. Now it's time to get back. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at the person next to you and say, get your rule book. And it's the Bible. Let the word of God be your standard. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. Somebody may say, Emma, you don't know my parents. You don't. <laughs> the one parent who's clapping. Yeah. We're going to pray. Listen, we want to honor our mother and our father. Now, somebody, my dad is incarcerated right now. So I'm not talking about a parent necessarily because my dad was bad at being a parent because he was never there. So he wasn't a good parent, but he's still my father because God says he's a life source and you must honor life sources because you wouldn't even be here to have this discussion if it wasn't for him and your mama. It's a life source. 
They are life sources. They bring life. They brought you life. You would not be here otherwise. In Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 2, the Bible says, Let everyone be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that have existed have been existed by God, uh, established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against those authorities is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Verse 7, give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. Why? They're a life source. You don't always have to agree with every political position and everything that they do. As long as it's in alignment with the word of God, you're not going to get everybody to agree on everything all the time. And you must understand something about God. I, I am called by God to honor the president who's currently in position, even though I don't agree with every policy. But I'm called to honor him because God said to do so. And you must understand something. Somebody may say, well, I don't agree. And some of you want total compliance with all of your belief system, when in reality, God has a big vision to accomplish. He's not just going to accomplish what you think the world should look like. God is taking into consideration the U.S. of A., North Korea, South Korea, India, your hood, the South Bronx. He's, he's culminating all things, not just your things. This is why we honor. We honor because God has a bigger objective than just your worldview. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 32, the Bible says, Stand up in the presence of the aged. Show respect for the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Elderly people deserve honor. You don't always have to agree with every little thing. And sometimes they could be grouchy. But I know some young people who are grouchy too. Yours are just, your teeth are just coming in, theirs are going out. They deserve honor. When you're on a bus, when you're on a T, when you're anywhere, if you have a seat available, give up the seat. Honor. It doesn't have to be the world's standard. Well, no one's doing it for me. It's God's standard, so it should be yours, even if it's not theirs. We change the culture we live in. We change the homes we live in. We can change relationships if we start honoring first instead of waiting for you. If I wait for all these politicians to change, how is my world going to change? My world changes when I assume responsibility for where I live and I start to honor those around me. First Peter chapter 2, one more. The Bible says in verse 17, show proper respect. King James uses the term honor to everyone, everyone, everyone. Even when you don't agree with their sexuality, everyone. How are you going to reach a world that you're afraid to go into? And all you want to do is dishonor people. And when you dishonor them, you push them further and further away. The book says show proper respect to everyone. This Puerto Rican is preaching. If you're taking our notes, write this down. God puts gifts and treasure in people. And if we are to access the treasure in that relationship, honor is the key that unlocks that treasure. God puts gifts and treasures in people. And if we are to access the treasure in that relationship, honor is the key that unlocks it. See, understand this. When you pray and you're asking God for something, the majority of the time that God is going to answer your prayer, he's going to do it through a person. 
And if you think that the only way that God can speak, if he speaks through, you know, your, your AC system at home, and if he speaks through your television, unless I see a unicorn floating in my backyard, I don't believe it's God. You're going to miss God because a lot of the times he's not just speaking through an archangel called Gabriel. He is speaking through your wife named Gina. But because of dishonor, you don't believe she has any value and you don't believe she can bring anything to the table. So you're looking for something supernatural when in reality, supernatural exists in your wife because she's been praying all week, but you can't see it because of dishonor. To the three and a half people who clapped, amen. Oh, when I, when, I, when I showed up, you know how many times Jesus showed up to me? You know what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 25, for those of you who care? He says, when you went to the prison, you visit me. When you went to the hospital, you was visiting me. When you gave to the poor, you gave it to me. He says, when you gave this, you did it for me. And, and you'd be surprised how we come to church looking for a visitation from God when you showed up and met God in the parking lot. He was waving at you when he had that vest on that looked like a construction orange or green out there. Jesus was inside of him. And we miss opportunities to hear from God because we don't think that God is showing up in common. And he's showing up in common all around you. It's the treasure that's on the inside of them that we're trying to pull out and honor over their lives. Pull it all out. In Mark chapter 6, look at this verse. Look at what happened to your Lord and Savior. Poor, poor, this is just a bad, I'm still so sorry for Jesus. He was so secure, though, I don't think it affected him. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given to him, that even he does miracles? I, I, I can see that he's wise. I can see that he does miracles. We, we're hearing a lot about him. He just healed a man who was demon-possessed. He just healed a woman who had an issue of blood who was hemorrhaging for 12 years. He just raised a little girl from the dead. And the stories are circulating around the city, and we're hearing that he's anointed. We're hearing that he's powerful. We're hearing it. But when he gets back home, look at the attitude. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? We know Mary. That little Jesus, I used to change his drawers and his pants. I used to change Jesus. He's got a little dimple on his butt. I, I know everything about him. <laughs> and his brothers are James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. I know the whole family. Pastor Amy ain't nothing. I know his whole family. He ain't, I know you talk about how, how uh, you know, his great linguistic ability and his fragmented English, but he's so gifted and so annoying. He ain't nothing. I know his family. I know him. I was raised where he was raised. And you could see them trying to bring Jesus down and down. Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. He didn't even do nothing to warrant them being offended. They got offended because of their insecurity and their inability to acknowledge that he was good at what he was doing. Gifted, but can't be acknowledged. Treasured, but no one wants to say anything about it. Everywhere else he went, he got blessed. Everywhere else he went, people were pulling on the anointing. They had faith and they had honor for what he could do. And everywhere he went, miracles were happening. But when he got back home, things changed. Isn't it funny how people act different at home than they do outside the home? Let's, let's continue. Let's continue because I don't want to kill your joy. And then he says, and Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his peoples, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. 
And he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. They dishonored who he was. Here he is anointed and gifted to do amazing things, but they can't receive the gift, not because he didn't want to give it, but because they didn't have the right lens on. They dishonored him. You'd be surprised how we honor people outside of our home, but we disrespect the people we eat with and sleep with. It's interesting how I can see. I need Pastor Emmy to pray for me. But, but does your wife have a different Holy Spirit than Pastor Emmy? Maybe she has the same Holy Spirit, but it's inoperable. Not that the Holy Ghost is inoperable. He has the power. You can't receive it because of dishonor. And you don't know anything about my past or me, but you know a lot about your wife. And all of that knowledge stops you from seeing her as being treasured while she's dealing with your trash and treasure. She's over there defending you. That's my boo. That's my man. I love him. You better stop talking. And she's defending you, knowing that you got issues, but she still sees value in you. But when it's the other way around, you can't. I need somebody else to pray for me. <laughs> Two things out of this verse that I want you to see. Number one, familiarity. You can write this in your notes. Causes dishonor. Look at how many words you find in the word familiarity. I'm too familiar with you. And because I know so much about you, I struggle to receive from you. You'd be surprised. I got a very, you know, decent, large church, and I don't have a lot of my own family members that come to my church. I know too much about, he ain't nobody. I know, I know James and Joseph and Jeter and Jeter and Jen and John and John. I know, I know all this family. He ain't nothing. But, but even though I'm nothing to them, why is it that I'm praying for people and they're getting healed? Why am I praying for people and they're getting delivered? Why are people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ and having a relationship? Once again, some people see me through the lens of honor. Other people see me through the lens of dishonor because of familiarity. Family, familiar, familiar, all of this causes dishonor. I know too much about you. Number two, offenses cause dishonor. Anybody you stay offended at, you will never honor. You stay offended at them long enough, you just stay offended. That position of offense stops you from receiving the gift inside of them. And I'm telling you right now, if, you, if you, this is your church home, you want to get to a place where you deal with this because this will stop you from receiving the word of God. You'll be church hopping and hopping all over the place. And it's, it's, it won't be a matter of time. If you don't learn how to deal with this, it won't be a matter of time before you go to another church because you left this one all because you won't deal with this. And someone else will make you offended because it's something going on on the inside of you. Keeping a spirit of honor causes you to pull the best out of people no matter where you go. And remember, honor is my standard, even if it's not yours. This is good. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, let me give you one more verse before I give you these three points. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, I find this verse to be profound. The Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden, hidden in a field. It's a treasure hidden in the field, a treasure hidden in the dirt, treasure in the dirt. What a paradox. Treasure what a dichotomy. Treasure in a field. Diamonds in the coal. Gold in the mine. Treasure in a field. And when a man found it, the treasure, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. He said, it's not enough for me just to take the treasure. I'll take all the dirt that comes with it. This is a picture of people and relationships. 
that no matter who you are engaged with relationally, they bring treasure to the table and they bring field to the table. What is field? Dirt. Your father has a treasure and your father has a field. Your mother has a treasure and your mother has a field. Your children have treasures and your children also have fields. Don't get so blinded by the fact that you see more field that you stop believing that they have treasure. They're looking for you to pull the best out of them. They're the ones that are self-centered because they're trying to figure life out and for you to keep highlighting field and highlighting field and highlighting dirt. No wonder they keep giving you dirt because that's all they hear coming from your mouth. You need to look at them and say, yeah, you tripping about this, but I see gold in you. I see treasure in you. You are anointed. You are blessed. You are smart. And yeah, you brought home some 60s, but I believe in Jesus' name you're going to bring home some 80s. And I'm here to do whatever I can in your corner to support you and coach you and help you because you are not just a child full of field. You have treasure on the inside of you. Your government leaders have treasures. And they also have a field. Man, my mind is running because we want to be influenced by people. If I'm going to give you freedom to influence the way I think, we don't want those people that we give influence to to have any field. That's what makes my job difficult because I want to quit every time I bump into those type of people. Because I'm just like, dude, I'm just like you. Except you get to see my treasure and you are deceived into thinking that people who you see treasure, we live like this all day long. My wife has a difficult job because on Sundays you will pull all of my treasure and get all of my gifts and get all of my anointing. And then I'll go home and give her tired field and she's talking and I'm half listening. And my kids are saying, well, you had time for them. You ain't got time for me. And I'm like, give me to tomorrow. I'll get up with you then. Don't be deceived into thinking that the person that you're in relationship with, that you're in family with, that they're going to give you treasure 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not a reality. God knew who he was working with when he created him. Because when he made Adam, he made Adam out of dirt and then blew into his nostrils the breath of lives and looked at this man and said, I know you are treasured in a dirt box. And I chose to work with that. So you got to deal with it all, the good me, the bad me, the ugly me, the good breath me, the bad breath me. When my teeth are coming in and when my teeth are falling out, you got to deal with it all. Black hair, gray hair, physical scars, emotional scars, traumatized. Oh, I didn't tell you? This happened. That happened. I've been hiding it for five years because I wasn't sure you can buy the whole field. And young people, listen to me clearly. Yeah, especially the women, because you got the power of this. It really, it's really more in your court. Don't give up your treasure if he's not willing to buy the field. Yeah, that's worth a clap. I'm a double dutch on that. Don't. I told my church on Sunday, I told, I'm going to tell you what I told my church. Don't give up the cookie casually. Give up the cookie in covenant. He needs to buy the field. You're just not going to take the best of me and then step on the worst of me. You're not going to just use me. And that's what the culture encourages. That's why we keep listening to these songs where we get the impression that it's all about my butt and how much I can shake it. And we keep hitting share and share and we regurgitate and regurgitate. And it creates a culture of dishonor. And we don't believe we have value. You have more value on your life. God has honored you. 
and he wants you to honor those people around you, I have to move on. Number one, if you're taking our notes, write this down. Number one, honor begins what God's claim on them. Number one, it's God's claim. It doesn't have to be yours. God sees everyone as someone he created, he loved, and someone he died for. You might be a believer, and they may be an unbeliever, but it doesn't mean that God didn't want to honor them. He honors them. He still sees Adam on the inside of them. That's why the Bible says he doesn't take pleasure when wicked people die. You may take pleasure when wicked people die because you get discouraged by the dishonorable actions and you just want them to be out the way. But God says every time I lose one apart from me, I see Adam gone. And it was never my intent to lose Adam because when Adam sinned, I ran after Adam. I didn't wait for Adam to come after me. Oh, this Puerto Rico, oh God, this is good. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Look at the verse. The Bible says, submit to one another out of, out of reverence for Christ. He said, do it because you're doing it out of honor for me. Number two, honoring benefits me too. Honoring benefits me. As selfish as that sound, it, when I honor you, I create a space for you to give me your best because you know you can be received in that environment. And I pull the best out of you. There are certain verses in the Bible that God knows you will struggle with. So he will always incentivize the struggle. <laughs> yeah, like tithing. Yeah, I know most people don't like to give. They struggle because mammon is a real influence. Well, we believe that it's a great substitute for God. So God incentivizes giving. He says, if you bring the tithe, I'll open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so much. What am I doing? I'm incentivizing your struggle because I know you're going to struggle to do it. It's the same thing with honor. Honor is a struggle because you think you should only honor people who are honorable. But God says if you honor them, you'll pull the best out of them. So let me give you an incentive. Here's the incentive. Uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 2 and 3. It says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with the promise. With the promise. What's the promise? That it might go well with you. And that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Longevity is tied to honor. Number three, honor is decided, not deserved. And this is tough. This is tough. Let me, let me also say this. When you're honoring people, it doesn't mean that you, you can't honor people at a distance. I had somebody who approached me and just said, you know, his mother's a drug addict. His mother always wants to get caught up in drugs. And now that he's changing, he struggles because when he hears you say honor father and mother, he thinks that means he has to move back in. You can honor your parents at a distance when you know they are engaged in behavior that's going to make you relapse and pull back. You can honor people and say, listen, I can honor you from right here because your behavior is dishonorable to my sobriety. So dishonor doesn't mean you don't put up boundaries. But anyways, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, the Bible says, Submit yourselves to the Lord, sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. He says you can shut people up by honoring. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect, honor to everyone Love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. Did you get anything out of that? Did you get anything out of today's word on honor? You're going into a relationship series. I want to start bringing honor back to the home. So when your parents call you downstairs, Xbox can wait. Come on, show them some honor. You're going to need some money sooner or later. Show them some honor. <laughs> Vice versa. You're not always going to get your way, parents, by yelling and throwing things. 
If you honor them, you'll pull the best out of them. School teachers, honor your students in the classroom. Try to meet them on their level. They're the children growing up. And young people in classroom, you'll create order. So when something goes down, don't pull out your phone and just start recording the drama. Create the order. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, right now, let me, let me have uh, all the campus pastors as well uh, uh, join me at this time. We're going to pray right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Glory to God. Well, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We honor you. We honor your word. Chivalry is not dead, Father. We, we baptize us right now with a spirit of honor that wants to be nice and open car doors for the women we love. To open doors, period. Supermarkets, helping out, giving up our seats to the elderly, whatever it may be, to honor those, to honor our teachers, to honor the workplace, to honor those that God has placed around us, to honor the politicians, honor our wives and our husbands. What, what is the Holy Spirit saying right now to you? Who do we need to honor? Holy Spirit, minister right now. We don't come to church to be religious. We come to change. Help us become more like you. It's your desire that we would be conformed into the image of your dear son. And so we need your assistance because we can't do this by ourselves. And while I'm praying right now, maybe you're here and you say, Emmy, Pastor Emmy, maybe you're watching online and you may say, I've, I've never given my life to Jesus. You must understand that you honor God by honoring the sacrifice that he gave for the world. If you're here today and you say, Emmy, I've never given my life to Jesus. Maybe I'm here for the first time and I just, I need God to do something significant in my life. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you want to give your life to him. This is where real life begins to change. If that's you, I'm not going to have you come down. I'm not going to have you stand up. But right where you are, if you could just raise your hand and say, Emmy, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, raise your hand. I'm going to pray. Is that anybody? I see that hand all the way in the back, homie. I've been looking at you all day. I see this hand right here. Anybody else? I see this hand. I see that hand back there. I see that hand all the way in the back. I see this hand front row. I got you, my man. Anybody else? If you're watching online, God sees. Yes, 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 yes. I love you for it, both of you. I see you all the way in the back as well. If you're watching online, maybe you could put up a little emoji on Facebook or something. I don't know. Pray this with me. Pray this with me. It starts with a decision, an act of faith of your heart. Say, Heavenly Father. I thank you for Jesus and his sacrifice. I received that gift and I repent of my sin. I repent of my past. I may not know everything, but I know today I make a decision to surrender to you, to make you my Lord, to make you my Savior. Now help me with the power of your spirit to grow in my relationship with you. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.